Well, as you know, tomorrow is the, the funeral service for our Queen. And um, as a nation, we are mourning her loss. And one of the things we pray for, for those who are grieving, is comfort. Uh, that word comfort, uh, we've just heard read many times in this passage. God is described as the God of all comfort. But what does it mean to be comforted? How do we comfort others? And how is Christian comfort different from the comfort others may, may offer? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to be uh, looking at uh, in our passage this evening. But as we start this new series in 2 Corinthians, I thought it would be helpful just to understand some of the, the context in which Paul is writing the letter, because it's a little bit uh, complicated. Um, Paul came to Corinth for the first time in AD 50. It's part of his second missionary journey. Um, by that time, the Greek city had been a, a Roman colony for about a century or so. Um, and if you look at the map here, you can see that it had a strategic location and has therefore become quite a prosperous um, place. So we're up, this is Corinth here, got Athens here, and it formed uh, quite a strategic triangle for for Paul and his missionary journeys. You've got Corinth here, you've got Philippi here, and Ephesus here. He went for those strategic commercial centers as he sought to spread the gospel. Uh, the citizens of Corinth worshipped many gods, including Aphrodite, the Greek goddess associated with love, and temple prostitution. And in Acts 18, if you read about uh, Paul's missionary journeys, we see there how Paul arrived in Corinth from Athens. And um, we're told that he started reasoning, started preaching in the synagogue that Jesus is the Messiah. But we're told that the Jews opposed Paul, they became abusive, and so he left to preach to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Um, and yet Crispus, the synagogue leader, we are told, and his entire household became Christians. They believed in the Lord, and um, as did many others who heard and put their trust in Jesus and were baptized. So Paul stayed in Corinth for about 18 months, uh, continuing to, to teach, to, to disciple those new believers. And then he continued with his travels. Uh, when he was in Ephesus, a bit later on, he received reports from Corinth of various problems in the church, uh, divisiveness, uh, litigation between them, sexual immorality, uh, disorder in worship, abuse of the, the Lord's Supper, as well as doctrinal issues concerning the, uh, the denial of the resurrection of uh, the body. He also received a, a letter um, from the church asking for his ruling on a number of quite complex pastoral issues, such as marriage, um, food offered to idols, spiritual gifts, collection for the, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Uh, so he writes his first letter uh, to the Corinthians in response to those issues, um, and um, as well as heading off some of the criticism that was made against him and his ministry. Paul then sent Timothy to Corinth, um, but Timothy returned with worrying news about the state of the church, and that prompted Paul to return to Corinth to visit the city and the believers in person. Now, that visit didn't go particularly well. Um, Paul was subjected to a personal attack by a certain individual. And uh, Paul was disappointed he didn't actually get any support from the church in that whole situation. Uh, so he then changed his travel plans. And instead of returning to Corinth, 
after a visit to Macedonia, he instead went back to Ephesus. And once back in Ephesus, that's where he wrote what is known as his severe letter uh, to the Corinthians, which is now lost, but there are references to it. Um, and it appears that he challenged the church there to take action against this particular individual. He then went on to visit Troas in Macedonia, where he experienced the persecution that those churches were undergoing. Um, but then Titus met him there, and Titus had come from Corinth, and Titus brought good news that um, actually the Corinthians had disciplined the person who had caused so much trouble and wanted to restore their relationship with Paul. So in response to that good news, Paul writes this second letter to the Corinthians, or at least um, probably the first nine chapters. The last four could have been a separate letter referring to other issues. It's a bit of a long introduction, um, but hopefully it will help us in the coming weeks, particularly next week, because um, when you see some of the things that Paul writes about, it's important to understand what is he going on about, what's the context of all that. But let's look at our opening passage uh, this evening. And so Paul starts with a, a greeting. He describes who he is. He describes himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, if you were here last week, you'll have remembered how Paul on the road to Damascus um, experienced Lord Jesus Christ in that amazing um, encounter with that shining light, um, opened his eyes to see him in all his glory. And uh, he was specially commissioned then um, to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. So he's probably emphasizing this here at the outset of this letter, probably in response to some of the criticism which had been leveled against him. He's writing from himself and from Timothy, his co-worker, a brother in Christ. And they're writing too, it says here, the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Remember on the map, Achaia is um, that whole area there in blue um, of present-day Greece. Um, Paul's emphasizing here that in the light of the different factions within that church in Corinth, um, that the church ultimately belongs to God. It's the church of God. It's not the church of any individual, any leader. It is the church of God. And if we are Christians here, we belong to God. We are part of the church of God. Uh, He greets them in a customary way. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe a standard sort of greeting, but it's actually full of significance, isn't it? Because it's by God's grace that we're saved, that we're able to call God our Father. And God demonstrated that grace to us through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that, he achieved peace between us and God the Father, where there was formerly alienation because of our sin. So he's Greet to the church, and then he moves on to giving praise to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. But what does he praise him for? Well, he praises him for the fact that God comforts us in all our troubles. But what is this comfort that God gives? To understand God's comfort, we first need to understand what are some of the troubles in which he provides comfort. Um, You don't have to live long in this world to uh, realize that we will all, at some point, experience troubles. Um, Jesus told us that we should experience trouble 
in his farewell speech to his disciples, he said, in this world you will have trouble. And we know that, don't we, from our own lives. But is Paul here simply referring to the troubles of living in a fallen world? Well, in verse 5 he writes, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So it does seem here to be referring more specifically to the troubles that come from living the life of a Christian. And in verse 8 later on, Paul is quite open about this. Have a look down at verse 8. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Now, that may refer to the riots mentioned uh, in Acts 19 in Ephesus or other general persecution that he experienced on his travels. And later on in chapter 11, uh, Paul provides a whole list of troubles um, that he faced during his lifetime. Uh, that included imprisonment, flogging, beating, stoning, shipwrecks, attacks, hunger, thirst, exposure. And besides all this suffering, he says, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So we're talking about physical hardship, danger, persecution, and all the anxiety that, that goes with being a follower of Christ and a concern for other Christians. At the same time, I don't think it excludes, though, the troubles that come from living in a fallen world, such as serious illness that we will experience from time to time. But coming back to God's comfort in those troubles, what then does that look like? Well, the root of the the Greek word translated comfort here is parakaleo, which means to call alongside So the Holy Spirit is known as the the paraclete, the comforter, the one who comes alongside us. Another word used would be encourager. Um, How does the Holy Spirit comfort or encourage us? Well, let's look at how he does that. First, he's through his presence. I don't know if you remember what Jesus said to his disciples at the, the Last Supper as he prepared to leave them. He said, I will give you another advocate or paraclete to be with you forever. So he comforts us by reassuring us of his presence with us through our troubles. He promises us that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. One of the most emotions to experience in this life is abandonment. As we've said, we will all go through troubles. What gives us comfort is to know that we're not on our own. We don't have to face them on our own. And the Bible is full of reassurance that God is with us in our troubles. Isaiah 43 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Or Isaiah 41, do not fear, for I am with you. And it's often when we feel alone, humanly speaking, that uh, many of you, I'm sure, can testify that we experience the comfort of God's presence in a deeper way. So through his presence, secondly, through his compassion. Not only is God with us 
through our troubles, he understands what we're going through. After all, as we heard this morning, Jesus um, became a man. He experienced the struggles of human beings. He experienced terrible suffering when he was abandoned, when he was crucified on the cross, when the sins of the world were laid on him. God is called the, the God of compassion or mercy. Paul opens his letter with the words grace. Uh, what all these words have in common is love. We are praying that God would comfort his people with his love, that they would know that they are truly loved. After the, the Scottish Parliament had expressed its condolences to King Charles following the death of the Queen, he issued a statement in the reply which included these words. He wrote, My mother felt, as I do, the greatest admiration for the Scottish people, for their magnificent achievements and their indomitable spirit. And it was the greatest comfort for her to know in turn the true affection in which she was held. To be loved provides a great deal of comfort. And God's love is a, a perfect love. It's a love that he's expressed through sending, sending his son to die for us on the cross and make that great sacrifice. It's a love that nothing can separate us from, not even death. Thirdly, his strength. At the Last Supper, Jesus also said that the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in his name, should actually say his promises will come on to strength in a minute. Um, says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So God comforts us by reminding us of his promises in Jesus. One of the greatest promises of, of Jesus that is often read out at funeral services is uh, from John 11, where Jesus says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Or remember that promise we looked at last Sunday morning. Do you remember if you were here, it said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The Holy Spirit comforts us by reminding us of Jesus' promises. Thirdly now, through his strength, swap those around. A comfort is not just God being with us and understanding our troubles. It's also giving us the strength to endure them. If we have put our trust in Jesus, then we will experience his strength and his courage. Paul writes in, in verse 8, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. They've come to the end of, of their strength. They'd received then the supernatural strength of the Lord. Sometimes we experience God's comfort through strength to endure. Other times we experience his comfort through his deliverance. Verse 10, if we look at verse 10, it says there, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. As well as praying for strength to 
endure through our troubles. It's also okay to pray for deliverance from them. But that does mean trusting that God will deliver us when he thinks it's right and not when we think it's right. And it may be that he chooses not to deliver us from our troubles. It may be that our health problems do lead to our death or the health problems of others close to us. It leads to to their death. But again, his comfort reassures us that in our death, we will receive the final deliverance when all the troubles of this world will be left behind, when our tears will be wiped away because we will be welcomed into a world where comfort is no longer needed because there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain. We will enjoy the God of all comfort forever. And that's because Jesus has delivered us from the penalty for our sin. As we put our trust in his atoning work on the cross, we have been forgiven. We've been welcomed by our Heavenly Father as his children. We've received his promise that we will share in the glory of Christ. That's what we'll be celebrating shortly this evening as we take the Lord's Supper together. So God comforts us in all our troubles, but also God calls us to share in the sufferings of Christ. Verse 5 says, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. I think if you ask most people in this country, what is their their goal in life? What's their purpose in life? A lot of them probably answered, well, to to be happy. I want to be happy. Um, and that normally means avoiding trouble, um, whether it's health problems, whether it's financial problems, whether it's relationship issues. Take all those away. I just want to be happy. As Christians, our goal in life is is different. It's to give glory to God. And we give glory to God by enjoying him, So there is still joy. There's a different type of joy, but we enjoy God. It's by depending on him. And it's by becoming more like him. And therefore we should embrace our trials when they come along, when God sends them our way, because they serve all those purposes. You think, enjoying him? How do we enjoy God through our trials? Well, we enjoy God because we see all those aspects of his character that we've just been looking at. We see them more clearly in our troubles. We see his presence. We see his compassion, his promises, his strength, his deliverance. It's in our troubles that we see them more clearly. We may have known about them before. But in our troubles, we experience them personally in a real meaningful way. So God calls us to share in the sufferings of Christ, to enjoy him, but secondly, to depend on him. Look at verse 8 again. It says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God, who raises the dead. So often we do depend on our own strengths, don't we? And sometimes we just take pride that we're strong, we can get through this. 
Of course, even that strength is strength which God provides for us. When our troubles leave us in such despair that we're crying out to God for help, that's often when we really see his power at work. We've come to the end of what we feel are our resources. Later on in 2 Corinthians, um, we read of Paul's so-called thorn in the flesh where he calls out to God three times. He calls out to God to take that away from him. And God didn't. He didn't answer that prayer in that way because he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When troubles come our way, we can embrace them because they make us more dependent on God. We trust in him more. And thirdly, sharing the sufferings of Christ enables us to become like him. Our troubles have been called the furnace in which we are refined in which the dross is burnt off and the, the precious metal remains. One of the things that trials teach us is endurance. And in the same way that you can't get fit without exercise, you can't learn endurance without trials. In James 1 it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, which is similar to endurance. Trials make us more humble. They give us greater understanding. They give us greater compassion for others who are in need. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we want to share in the sufferings of Christ? Do we consider it pure joy, as we are called to do? Do we want to enjoy him more, depend on him more, become more like him. Can we say the same as Paul in his letter to the Philippians where he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Okay, you may say, well, Paul was an apostle. He was probably called to suffer more than most. As we heard last week in Acts 9, Jesus said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. But as followers of Christ, we are all called to, to take up our cross, to lose our lives for, for Christ. God calls us to share in the sufferings of Christ, and he comforts us in those sufferings. But there's another reason why God comforts us in all our troubles. And that is so we can comfort others in their troubles. Have a look again at verse 3. Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And he continues, uh, if we are distressed, this is in verse 6, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. 
We can better comfort others when we have gone through troubles ourselves. Uh, we've known God's presence. We've, we've known God's compassion, his promises, his strength, his deliverance. We're not just talking theoretically. We're talking about from our own experience of how God is at work in our lives. We're not relying on our counseling training or anything like that. We're pointing people to the comfort we have received through Jesus Christ. As it says here, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. It's a privilege to be used by God to comfort others. And it provides greater comfort to us because we can see that our troubles were not meaningless. They have been used to serve a greater purpose. Remember we said that God is glorified when we depend on him and his comfort. But he often chooses to comfort us through his people, through their coming alongside us, through their compassion, through their practical help, through their prayers. And what that means, though, is that we need to be willing to to share our troubles with one another, to be open about our struggles. The church is not a place where we try and impress others of how well we are doing. It's not a place where we pretend everything is fine when deep down we are we're struggling. That just reveals our pride and our self-sufficiency. We can't ask God for help if we're not willing to ask his people for help. He's given us one another for our comfort. Paul was not afraid to share his troubles even with Christians in Corinth, some of whom were quite critical of him. He said in verse 8, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We want you to be aware of them. Why? So you can pray for us. In verse 10 it says, On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Paul needed the prayers of his brothers and sisters in his troubles so that he could experience the comfort of God. But the reason he also wanted the prayers of his brothers and sisters was so that they would be able to see God at work answering their prayers. And so the glory would be given to to God. Verse 11 says, Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. In some ways, the Corinthians praying for Paul is more important for their own faith than for Paul's benefit. So let's drop the masks. Let's uh, be willing to be vulnerable with one another as we share our needs. And let's pray for one another as we come to an end and prepare to take the Lord's Supper together. We will all experience troubles. But as we go through them, let's not focus on the troubles themselves, uh, just wanting to get rid of them, however awful they may be. But let's seek God's comfort through our own prayers, through the prayers of our brothers and sisters. And let's enjoy and rest in God's comfort. Let's enjoy his presence, his compassion, his promises, 
his strength and his deliverance. Because as we do so, we reveal his glory. And having received his comfort, let's ask God to use us to bring comfort to those who are in trouble. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to the Lord's table now, there will be different things going on in our lives, things we're worried about, concerned about, all sorts of trouble which we may be experiencing, people we're concerned about. Lord, we pray that we would know your comfort. Help us not to try and keep going in our own strength. You want to help us. You're there to help us. So Lord, we, in our humility and weakness, call to you that we would experience your strength and your love and your power. Lord, thank you for one another. Thank you that you have given us one another as your church to be there when we're struggling. Thank you for that comfort we have received from one another when we've gone through troubles and help us to continue to be there for each other in our times of need. We praise you that you are the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. In Jesus' name, amen.